Man, we make no apologies for uh, putting what should be first. That's what's first. It really is. Um, And I, I truly mean with all of my heart that if you don't have that kind of community going on in your life, don't waste your 2016 on cheap imitations. Don't waste it. Don't waste your time. You know, we made a decision seven years ago that we were done playing church. Done. Done. Done for living for the weekend warrior mentality because that was not bringing lasting change. There was no power in it. Showing up week in, week out, but not seeing the fruit of the power of the Spirit of God. That doesn't line up with this book. The book of Acts is filled with stories. It's called the Acts for a reason, man. There was stuff happening. Men and women of God who were filled with the Holy Spirit did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. They were willing to go wherever they needed to go to preach this gospel to whoever needed to hear it in faith. And the miracles and the signs and the wonders that they experienced wasn't just for that generation. It's for this generation right now because I'm telling you, this generation needs it even worse. There's so much deception There's so much deception. What is truth? When you have people moving the boundary lines as to what is truth and what is really from God and not from God. I hate to say it when you have popcorn Christianity going on, man, that's full of cotton candy and it doesn't actually fill you with power to enable you to live a life that's fully after God, man, I'm telling you, there is more. There is more. You know, It's amazing to me that the NBA can figure it out. The NFL can figure it out. National Hockey Leagues can figure it out. They do not quit. And they get the job done. They're going to work their butts off. They're going to invest all their money. They're going to invest all their time. They're going to recruit the the, the rowdiest guys to their team. And they got one thing on their mind besides money. Let's just be truthful. Come on. You know they got money on their mind, their mind on the money. Y'all catch up with that later. (laughs) That's for some of y'all who get it. All right. So, but the truth is, is they are willing to fully invest themselves and leave everything on the field and go 100% after the win. And we have something that is worth greater value than their win. We have something of so much greater importance. And it's amazing to me that people will spend 80 to 90 years of their life trying to, you know, make so much out of this life right now, and it only is about like this much in the grand scheme of all of eternity. You work so hard to impress the person next to you for this little short period of time and then have nothing invested for the millions of years that's coming. 
It's like, where do you really want to be invested in? What do you really want to be pouring yourself into? Because the only thing that's ultimately going to matter when we stand before God are the things that had eternal connections attached to it. And that's people. People is what Jesus came to die for. I want to share a few just prophetic bullet points because of our time tonight. I'm going to be quick with these, just what I feel God is saying about 2016, and then I'm going to try to transition into a a quick message. And then here in a few minutes, we're going to take communion together and just let God do what only God can do. I want to share this with you about 2016. Let me first say 2015 is gone. Come on, somebody. Throw a party for that. It was an awesome year. It was a great year. God did so many cool things, man. I mean, it's like we went from the prayer room. God blessed us to be able to come inside of this room and, and, and friends and families. So, man, I got a new baby. I'm like, new stuff, man. She is awesome and perfect. It's amazing. She smells new every day. I love it. <laughs> Can't wash the new off of her, man. 2016, though, man, you can't, you, you can't be looking in the rearview mirror, man, and, and get to where you need to go. You cannot be looking behind you and end up where you want to be. If you're looking at that rearview mirror too long, you are going to crash. And it's not into your destiny. <laughs> it's going to be into somebody's rear end. Here's the deal. Um, P-Hop and, and Freedom Church um, is coming into its seven-year anniversary and I want to make sure you understand this, that for, for, for our ministry, you know, the Bible talks very clearly about seven works, six years, and the seventh year is considered a Sabbath rest unto the Lord. And he told the children of Israel, in that seventh year, you're going to rest. And after seven cycles of that is a jubilee year. That's what we're in right now is a jubilee year. But our ministry is, on a seven, is in its seventh year, and we're going to rest in what God has done, and we're going to let him just deepen the community here and what he's called us to be as a church, as a body. We're going to continue to go to the nations, but here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to fall into the trap of trying to strive for more in our strength. Not going to do it. We're going to rest in his promise. We're going to rest in what he's doing right now. And if you feel called to this house, I believe if you feel called to the house, then there are some things that you're going to connect with and you're going to, you're going to just, you're going to be a part of. And part of that is this seven year rest, man. Say, why, why, why did, why do I think about the body resting? Because see, God told the children of Israel to let the land rest for a reason. So it could revitalize and, and, and the, the nutrients and the soil to come back. And, and when you think about God commanding people to rest, it's not that you know, far off that when he reached down and he picked up the dirt, he created you. We need to rest. We need to not strive in our ability, but we need to rest in a promise. So there's some personal revelation that'll have to go with that. There, that that's, I, I'm saying that to you. There are some things personally in my life as a pastor, as a leader, that I'm letting God show me for this next year. What, did, what does rest look like for my household, for my family, for, for our ministry? You need to be asking God the same question for your house and for your family. What does rest look like for you? Because you know what? God is not interested in you burning yourself out and not making it to the end of your race. What good does it do us to build mega churches, and this has happened on our watch, you know, 20,000 member church, but at, but at the end of your race, 
You get caught in a hotel room doing drugs and, 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 and it's messed up, man. You didn't rest. You didn't rest. You got caught in the machine that says you have to spit out more results rather than trusting God to bring the results. We're not here to build our kingdom. We're here to build his kingdom. Okay? Bigger is not better. God's way is best. And if he wants something big, great. But let's let him do it. Let's let him do it the way he wants to. So you're going to need to ask the Lord, what does rest look like for your family this year? This is a jubilee year. I would go after it, man. I would go after it. I'd go after that promise. What does freedom look like in your house? Freedom from debt and your finances. Here's the second thing that I feel like is important for 2016. I believe this is going to be a year for deep wounds to be healed. Really believe that. I believe that those who are are ready to go dip in the pool of Siloam, it's time to get healed. God, Jesus is not interested in you spending the next 30 years of your life going around the same mountain and your soul staying in knots and not coming into the fullness. He paid a price. We're going to get into that in a, few more, in a few minutes. But I believe that this is a year for rest and for healing. I also believe it's a time for the restoration of things that the enemy has stole or devoured out of your life. It's time for the restoration of some things. You know, we're in that process right now, man. You know, we, we, when we obeyed God, we left Tulsa. We had just bought our first house. My little family, you know, me, Sheree, Aaron, and Hannah, new little family, had our little house. And after a short period of time, God says, now go to Pensacola. <laughs> go to Pensacola. It's like, wow, okay. It was in 2008, end of 2008, the worst economic time of my little time. You know, I'm like, Walmart wasn't hiring. You know, you're like, you couldn't get a job nowhere. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. Drug dealers weren't hiring, dude. Didn't anybody have to buy money for drugs? You didn't have no money. You're like, how are you getting high? I go up on a ladder, man. That's how I got high. That's about it. And <laughs> no money for no drugs. So, you know, restoration of things. We lost our house in that process. It's okay. God has houses that we know not of. You know? You may lose some friendships. You may lose some relationships obeying God. But you know what? This is a jubilee year, and there's restoration to friendships and relationships that were lost. So if you've got some broken family pieces in your life, you need to claim this year for God to restore your family. Debt's forgiven. And this last thing, I, I just, and man, this is just my little five things, man, that's just on my radar right now. God may give us more. He may give more to you. I believe we need to expect for the supernatural to happen. I am tired of us trying to relate to a supernatural God in our little puny brain and think that we can logically figure him out. I mean, come on. God came to the earth through a virgin Mary birth. Come on. I mean, it doesn't get any more supernatural and and weird than, than that. I mean, really. I mean, if you're willing to believe that, we might as well go the whole way. Come on, raise Lazarus from the dead. Let's see thousands upon thousands come into the kingdom. Why settle for some little thing? We might as well go big or go home. That's how I feel about it. Let's swing for the fence, man. Let's go there. Let's see Pensacola set on fire. Let's see unity come into the body of Christ like we never have before. Let's see the poor taken care of. Let's go to the nations. Let's see homes built in Peru. Let's see Nepal set on fire. Let's go to Mexico and help Brad. Let's do this thing and expect the supernatural. 
to empower us. He has called us to live a supernatural life. If your life is not supernatural, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you for just a minute. You might need to find out if you're born again. Because that's a supernatural act. See, we, we were created to experience the supernatural. So when, you, when, when I think of, you know, Freedom Church, when I think of people coming into this place, man, they, as they bump into you, they should be bumping into supernatural encounters, man. You think you're just hanging outside or, you know, dropping the kids off in the nursery or whatever. No, you're bumping into a supernatural encounter. Somebody's got a word from God ready to just drop on you. Encouragement, not that negative stuff. Something that's life-changing. So I believe 2016, man, has so much opportunity for us. And it's going to be an awesome year for those who want to walk this out and go to the next level. And it will not be through our man-made striving. It'll be through our brokenness to sit at his feet, to rest in his glory. And I'm going to tell you, one of the, one of the number one places that we have found as, as a ministry, personally, that little house of prayer right across the street. Yeah. You want to know where the strength comes from. You want to know where the stability comes from. It comes through intimacy with Jesus. Consistent intimacy with him, crying out to the Lord. And so, you know, you can have a really nice car, but if you don't have an engine, you're going nowhere, buddy. And I'm here to tell you right now, prayer is the engine that's making the car go somewhere. And you know what? We need everybody to pray. We need not just those who have signed up to be on the prayer team or the worship team or just, you know, some people who want to hit the prayer room every now and then. But I want to tell you right now, make a purposeful decision now. Don't wait. Make it now. Don't wait till you have to fall on your knees and cry out to God. Make the decision now that over the next 52 weeks of this year, one day out of the week, you'll hit that prayer room. See if it won't change your life. Refuse to continue to live the same way and decide one day a week for one hour, I'll hit that prayer room, Monday through Saturday. No pressure, right? I mean, you got six days to pick a time, you know, 7 to 9 p.m. It will, no doubt, transform your life that if you take this book and you take one hour and you sit in the presence of the Lord and you put your thoughts on him, he will tell you how amazing you are. And after you hear him tell you how amazing you are long enough, you're going to go tell somebody else how amazing they are. That's a fact. He's good. I want to encourage us as a church family to wear the carpet out in the prayer room. Make us have to put new carpet in it this year. No, seriously. Let's make that a goal. Let's actually make it a goal. That just hit me. Let's actually wear the hallway out because the traffic is going through. So, I mean, like cows, man. We're just, or how about racehorses? I don't really do cows. We're racehorses. You know, run into the prayer room, man. Thoroughbreds. There we go. Seriously. You know, husband, wives, figure it out, man. Go together, take your kids, you know. Make it happen. Don't allow circumstances to keep you from walking it out this year. You know, maybe you got to go different times, different shifts. You know, you take a different day of the week or something like that. Don't allow the enemy to put excuses in your mind to not grow closer to God this year. That's the fastest way you will grow 
with the Lord is just spending time with him. If you got your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Hebrews. I want to share for a few minutes, and then we're going to get into our communion time tonight. But tonight's message, I titled it, Living Beyond Shame and Without Pain. Living Beyond Shame and Without Pain. I believe one of the number one things that will keep you from walking in the fullness of God this year is if you don't get the shame resolved in your life. If you don't get the issue of shame and pain worked out, that will keep you from walking in the fullness of what God has for you. And here, I want to just kind of paint a picture for you. What we tend to do in church is we're really good at getting people to come just as they are. We come to Jesus. We tell the people, come to Jesus just as you are. He'll love you just the way that you are. He will clean you up. But what happens to the person who starts this process and they fall off their little pony? Because, see, that's really the majority of us in the room is you start out, you come to God, you're broken before him, you recognize you're, you're a sinner, you recognize your life is jacked up, messed up, there ain't enough duct tape at Lowe's to keep your world together. You realize it. And you come and you're broken and then he begins to heal you. But then something happens over a year or two years and all of a sudden things begin to start coming out of you and you're like, I, I thought all that was dealt with. And then all of a sudden, the shame starts working because you're not able to perform at the level that you know is in the book. And you start looking at other people and you, you find your, 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 you know, your Christian idols, the ones that you look at. Maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe you look at me and you go, man, that guy, he, he's like, you know, he just probably floats. You know, he's always got a word for his wife and his children. And, you know, I mean, he, you know, he hits his thumb and he's like, praise the Lord. Bless a lamb, you know? I assure you, you need to walk with me for a minute. <laughs> Let somebody drop in me on the surf line. Man, it's like, we're going to throw down. Anyway, you know, it's, it's, we look at each other and we think somebody is more spiritual than somebody else. And we just begin to make all these assumptions that everybody else must be living more holy than you. And you know what? We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. You know, I, um, I remember, you know, I'm just going to come back here and pick on my boy Sean for a minute because I see his big old beard. Beards unite. Come on, man. That's where we're at. You know, this is one of our youth pastors right here. Give it up for Sean Harness. And his beautiful wife, Vanessa, who is pregnant. You know, Sean and I were having this conversation, you know, where he was sharing with some of the teenagers here at church, you know, thinking that seeing me a certain way, like I must read, you know, chapters of my Bible every day, and I'm in prayer for hours every single day, and, and just the walk of holiness is perfect. And, and this, this idea of what a Christian must look like, it, it, I must embody it or something. We were having this real genuine conversation. And you know what the truth of the matter is, bro? This is so I remember they were getting ready to go to Tulsa like a year ago. 
was it? No, it's past year. This is awesome. And and Sean is trying to get the car seat in the car, and Sean's trying to get the kids, get the family in the car. Everybody get in the car. You know how it is. That's dads. That's what we do when we're trying to get 15 hours down the road. You're like herding cats to get everybody in the car. And uh, and so it was just so awesome because Sean Sean like loses it in this moment where you know. He, he's snatching the backpack out of the car and somehow it catches the car seat and car seat's going this way and kids are crying over here and, and, and you have that dad moment. You just are just amped up and it's like, what are, you know, it's just all over you. And then you, you think, well, Pastor Arnie doesn't ever do that. And the truth of the matter is I've done work. It was unrepairable when I got done. Because, <laughs> see, you know what? We're no different, Sean. We're just, we're just brothers. We're struggling through the same stuff, trying to figure out how to be a good husband and try to be a good dad. You know, and then we got to talk about it. You know that, you know what? It's like, where does that anger come from, man? Where does the anger come from? Why is all of a sudden that this expectation of getting somewhere down the road is so important that we can't be in the moment of right where we are? Because we're trying to please everybody around us and we're trying to meet everybody's demands. And in that moment, we find out, and this is the beautiful thing of God, God allows that moment to reveal something in us to heal it. That that moment is not who Sean is, nor is that moment who I am. But I can tell you right now, you'll look at him, teenagers, or maybe you'll begin to look at me, or maybe you look at, you know, Pastor Tony or Pastor Ben or, or Pastor Aaron, and you think, well, well, you know, man, dude, they're anointed, man. They don't make mistakes. No, we're all struggling together, aren't we, my brother? Beards unite. Brother Cody. This is the reality that, that the enemy wants you to feel like you're all alone. He wants you to feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. He wants to isolate you in your mind and in your thinking so that 2016 can start out heavy. Or maybe it starts out real good and then you just blow it real good. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, the year's shot. <laughs> going back. <laughs> no, don't go back. Realize that you need some truth. And I want to read some truth to you here for just a second. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Hebrews 10, 22. Here's what it says. Let us draw near, say near, near, to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, say conscience. Right there it is. The guilty conscience. See, I want to be vulnerable with you tonight and transparent with you because I believe that the deep wounds that need to be healed this year are going to be healed because of vulnerability and transparency. See, we're all really good at wearing a mask and acting as if everything's perfect and fine. And, and, and this, this trap we fall into is all of a sudden now, when someone begins to see you in a certain light, they have this expectation of you like you can't fall no more. And what happens is whenever you begin to struggle 
and you start slipping, gears start slipping, then you, you want to hide. Now, Hebrews says, draw near to God with first a sincere heart, with the full assurance of faith that our hearts can be cleansed from a guilty conscience. That's the number one power that the enemy has over a Christian, is what are they going to dwell on? He can't, have your, he can't have your soul, your spirit anymore, so he wants to torment you in your mind. He wants to make you feel like you're not saved. He wants to make you feel like you are no longer going to be able to please God. So he just begins to bombard your mind. Let me continue to read here. He says, cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let me just give you a little nugget here for just a minute. Trees do not grow well if they continue to get uprooted every other weekend. Trees grow healthy and strong when they're planted beside a well-watered river and they don't move for a really long time. I'm here here to tell you, those of you who feel called to this work and this ministry, get planted. Stay planted. Don't be thrown off course. Don't be uprooted easily. Stay planted. Let your roots go down deep so you can drink from the real nutrients of what God's doing here. but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to hit a couple more passages of Scripture because I'm going to kind of speed up here because of time. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. What the writer of Hebrews is talking about is there, the, the children of Israel were going through the formulas of sacrificing bulls and goats and different things in order to try to get approval with God. But the, the problem is they had approval for a moment, but their conscience was never cleared. The guilty stain was not taken off of their mind and their heart. Hebrews chapter 9, 14 brings us this remedy How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? Why? So that we may serve the living God. You want to know what the guilty conscience and the shame is really after? You serving the living God. God put Adam and, Eve on the earth, Adam and Eve on the earth in order to serve him, to build something for him, to be in relationship with him. Jesus came to restore the order so that we could get back into the kingdom family business. You're a part of a family. Shame will keep you from operating in that calling. So how do you live beyond shame? First, you got to recognize that shame is the fruit of a, dip, a deeper issue. You go under why you have shame going on in your life. It's really the fruit of a deeper issue. It's a wound in your life. 
There's a deep wound that's going on inside of you. And this is what I have discovered over a number of years of working with people is it seems that we all want to hide and conceal it. We all want to hide that wound. You know, here's the reality about a wound. When you get cut, you get a bandage and you wrap it up. That's what you do to a wound, right? You, you, you cover it, you conceal it with the hopes that it's going to heal, right? The only problem is, is our wound is so great and so grave that there's not a human bandage capable of healing our wound. There's nothing on this earth that you can cover this huge wound up with that will cause you to be able to heal. There is only one thing that can heal the deep wound, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. Now, Hebrews said, first draw near to God with a sincere heart. It did not say draw near to God with having all the right answers. It didn't even say draw near to God with your New Year resolution plan. Because we know that only about 1% of that's going to work. But man, gym memberships, man, those people are going to make a ton of money here next month. <laughs> Miss the business. He doesn't say, draw near to me, kind of working on yourself. Not what he says. He said, will you just come near to me with a sincere heart? A sincere heart of recognizing that I'm God and you're not. And you need me. And we just start right there. That I can't fix myself. I, I, I may can put a mask on in front of you and fool you for a moment, but the reality is if there's cancer in the body, it's eventually going to show its ugly head and you're going to die. He's saying, sincerely come to me in faith. Sincerely come in faith. What, what does that look like? That, that looks like you coming faith. Like we talk about faith as if, as if like you got to have some great faith. You know what I kind of look at it as like? It's just a guy who's, who's just like ready to trust God. Who's just really has realized nothing else works. And I'm going to come trust him. I'm going to sincerely come with all my heart to the cross. And I'm going to let him heal me. The difference between wounds and scars a really big deal. And I want to be sensitive with this, but I think there's a lot of Christians right now who want to feel like they're healed. But the truth of the matter is, if you, if you remove the bandage over their soul, there's a deep wound still there. It's not a scar. See, the, 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 the power and the beauty behind a scar is that's a place that's been healed. And as a, as a person in the body of Christ, here's what we've kind of done in some ways. In, in some ways, we, 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 we're afraid to even look at our scars sometimes, I think. 
It's like, and, and the reality is, when you're growing up as a kid, man, it's like you get on your BMX bike and you make some gnarly, crazy jump and you put this big gash across your leg and you're like, look at this, you know? You're kind of excited about this thing for a minute. And there's the pain and, and you'd go home and your mom fixes you up and gets the, gets the wound cleaned and puts the bandages on there. And over time, that wound gets healed, but then it leaves a scar. And I remember growing up as a kid that there was those, those moments, man, where it's kind of like, dude, you, you see this scar right here? It actually had a story, man. You had something to talk about. You had something to like, you know, engage somebody about. You're like, dude, you should have saw this crazy jump, man. It was like so, so huge, so big. And the guy's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but dude, to you it was. You got, I got a scar to prove it. You know, God is trying to transition, I believe, a huge chunk of your lives in this room and those who are watching on the live stream from a wounded place to the position where there's a scar, where no longer does this thing have to be concealed, but it's been healed and you take the bandage off and you're actually proud and excited and we can talk about our struggles. We can be like, dude, you know what? I blew it too. It's like I stayed up all night. Yes, I ate the entire box of Briar's ice cream. Boom, doing it again tomorrow, New Year's resolution. <laughs> See, there, there's, there, there, the, the lie is, is that the person you're sitting next to probably is not struggling with the thing you're struggling with. You know what? Maybe they're not struggling with the exact same thing. They're struggling with something else that will kill them just as much as what's killing you. And pride and fear and insecurity and hopelessness and doubt and pornography, and perversion, and alcohol abuse, and uh, drugs, whatever it is, church. We've come to a place where we really believe that Jesus came to free us. That I believe that Freedom Church is not just a good slogan or a good name of a church. I believe it's what Jesus came to bring to the earth, that he came to bring freedom. And I want to tell you right now that you don't have to go into 2016 full of shame and living with pain. And how does that actually stop? How do you actually transition from the wound to the scar? Well, here's the first thing. 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. The first thing you need to understand is the thing that is covering your wound. I feel the anointing so strong right now. It's love. See, the, the thing that's, that many of us try to cover our wound with, with is, is our masks. We want to cover our wound up by our striving to fool people for this short little period of time that's not going to matter for all eternity. Why not let unconditional love cover the wound? Because that's the only thing that can heal the wound is the unconditional love of Jesus. And then what he says over here in James chapter 5, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and take these words so serious. It's in the Bible. James chapter 5. James says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. 
one of the number one ways that you will transition from a life of shame and a place of wounding to a place of wholeness to where you have a scar is when you can actually go to somebody and confess what it is that is controlling your life. When you can actually confess, and I'm not saying just tell everybody, but I'm saying you find somebody that you can actually confess your sin one to another that you might be healed. The reason why the enemy works so hard to make us feel like somebody else is not dealing with what you're dealing with is so that we don't actually confess. Why? Come on, here it is. Here's the punchline. Because he don't want you healed, man. He don't want you whole. And one of the, one of the dangers with a Christian who's been walking with God for a period of time is we get a little bit cleaned up all of a sudden, we think we've got nothing to confess anymore. Look, I totally believe that we're on a path of a highway of holiness and purity. And man, my struggles that I struggled with last year, I don't want to be struggling with this year. But I tell you, whenever I look into his holiness and his beauty, I think I still got a lot more work to do. No matter how much you think my life is right or how much I think I've gotten out of my life, I know that when I sit at the refiner's fire of his presence and of his glory, there's more to change. There's more to change. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I'm making our cameraman so angry at me tonight. Like he is everywhere. The beauty and power of a scar is a wound that's been healed and an amazing story, a testimony to tell somebody about what God did in your life. You know, I share that vulnerability with, you know, me and Sean, Pastor Sean for a reason. Because we're not perfect people. We are in love with a perfect Jesus, though. And if we keep our eyes on him, he'll work out all of our imperfections. I want to leave you with this scripture, and then we're going to slide into communion. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. I want you to look at me, church. The one who was accusing you day and night no longer has power over your destiny or your life. Jesus threw him down at the cross. Why don't you stand to your feet, man, and let's give him some worship for just a moment because he is truly worthy of worship right now. Lord, we love you. We need you. You cast down the one who was accusing us.
You hurled him to the ground. You defeated him at the cross. And church, I'm here to tell you tonight, you don't have to go home tonight with that guilty conscience. You don't have to go home feeling like you're not born again or that God's going to abandon you. You don't have to feel like your race is going to get cut short because the accuser has been thrown down and the blood of the Lamb is what cleanses your conscience from all your shame. So after we, as you take communion tonight, as we take communion as a family tonight, you say, well, what do you do, Pastor Arnie, whenever tomorrow I start feeling that shame come on me again? What do I do, Pastor Arnie, when I begin to feel the effects of, I'm, I'm going to get so real with you guys. Because the pornography thing is a big deal right now. And it's not going to go away without a fight. And I know my brothers in arms, many of you men and young men have battled with that demon. And it's one of those things that it's easy to hide. And it brings so much shame you don't know how to get free of it. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's reality. How do I know this to be true? I want to feel like I'm in love every single day with my wife. But you know what? There are days that I've woke up, we've had bad morning breath. Come on, tell the truth. There's some days you have a bad day, and all of a sudden you, you don't feel so in love. I didn't sign up for just being in love. I signed up to be in a covenant relationship. I signed up for covenant relationship and that I will experience love out of a revelation of covenant. And so you can begin to experience what freedom looks like and that you don't have to live with shame because of a covenant relationship, not because you feel free, not because you feel, all of a sudden you don't feel shame anymore. No, you base it off of a reality of truth. Jesus went to the cross, therefore I am free. Jesus went to the cross, therefore I no longer have shame on my life. No longer do I have to have a guilty conscience because his truth tells me that he died for that. He saved me from that. Brothers and sisters, as you get ready to take communion tonight, I want to read to you what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you guys would go ahead and come why don't you just take a moment and just sit down right where you are. We're going to ask our ushers to come through. And they're going to begin to distribute the elements here. Communion is such a big deal in our personal lives, even in our family. We take communion every New Year day with our kids. And we talk about sin. And we talk about what Jesus did on the cross for our sin. And our children participate. And I want to say this to you. You take communion if you've been born again. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, then I would ask you to do so right now because the Bible talks about examining yourself, making sure you're in the faith before you participate, taking the Lord's Supper. 
And so it's a big deal. And we're going to take a moment. We're going to do that. We're going to take some time here. We're going to worship. What I'd like to do is, is I'd like to say for 2016, as you begin to take communion here, we'll take it all. We'll let everybody get served and then we'll take it together at one time. But I want you just as we take a, mo- a little time here to worship, I want you to think about the shame that's been trying to control your life. I want you to think about the guilt that's been trying to control your life. And I want you to think about the scriptures I just read to you out of Hebrews, that Jesus Christ came with his blood to cover every guilty conscience that you have. That it's the only way your conscience can truly be refreshed. That the only way it can truly be healed. That you don't have to live this year with pain in your soul. Because Jesus went to the cross and he paid for that. And I want to be, just continue to dig here for just a minute. You say, Pastor Arnie, I got some, some scary stuff hidden down inside of my soul. It's hard to talk about. Let me tell you something. You are not going to care when you stand before Jesus Christ in heaven, when you stand before God, And you recognize what you've been forgiven of. But you think about this. To truly understand the power of forgiveness is not to try to hide or conceal some of those parts of your life. But it's actually recognizing that you can bring all of those guilty stains to him. And his blood covers it all. So I want to encourage you this year That this is a promise this year for those of you who take it serious. You do not have to live with that shame and guilt anymore. I want you to find somebody in this community, in in, in your life, and I want you to begin to do what the Word of God says do. Let's begin to confess our faults one to another. Not in a way that glorifies Satan. Let me tell you something. I got a past, dude, and I could care less to talk to anybody about my past. You know what? I don't need to glorify the devil. But when I find places in my life where I can feel the warfare. How do you know you can feel the warfare? You know it. You feel it. You feel that stuff, man. You're like, man, I really should go tell somebody that I'm dealing with this, and then you don't want to. That's when you know you need to go do it right then. Man, I remember there were times in my life whenever I first got born again, I was calling people up in the middle of the night saying, dude, I got all this stuff that's going on in my life right now. I'm waking them up because I just wanted to get it out of me. I wanted to be whole. Why don't we take a few minutes? Let's just focus on Jesus, the lover of our soul. Just begin to ask him to reveal those things to you, those areas of your life that you're ready for him to heal. After we get done with communion, I'm going to open up these altars up here, and I'm going to stand up here, and some of our prayer team will pray for you if you need prayer tonight, if you want someone just to agree with you for this new season. I believe God has some amazing things in store for you. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Let's take some time and let's just worship the Lord. Go ahead, guys.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for sending the bread of life to the earth. We thank you that Jesus is the bread of which we feast on. And that, Lord, you told your disciples to eat your flesh. And so, Lord, we're here tonight. We declare that the body of Christ was broken for us, for our healing, for our redemption. In Jesus' name, let's take the body together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take a moment as you're holding the cup tonight. As I shared with you about how to be free from the shame and the guilty conscience. Let the blood of Jesus do a deep work in you tonight. Let the revelation of this cup, the revelation of the blood of the Lamb, taking your wound and healing it, making a scar so that you can share your testimony with someone that they too can experience life. Jesus, we thank you for your blood tonight. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for our sin. And Lord, we enter into this new year declaring the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we belong to him and he belongs to us. And no longer will we live with a guilty conscience because you have cleansed the worshiper and we stand before you righteous made white as snow able to approach the throne room of heaven boldly because of the one who intercedes on our behalf we love you we praise you we thank you for this in jesus name let's take the blood together Let me share this last thought with you. Then we'll take a minute. I would like to sing this chorus again. But every time Satan tries to remind you of your past, it's a great opportunity just to remind him of his future. It's a great opportunity. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's sing this together again. Put your heart into it. If you'd like someone to pray with you tonight, to just agree with you in prayer, I'm going to open up the altar. You're welcome to come and seek the Lord. We'll stand up here and pray and anoint you. I believe that there's power in prayer. Get everything that God has for you in 2016, church. Get everything that he has for you. Leave nothing behind. He has so many promises. Lord, we love you. Let's worship him. Come on.